0: Ophthalmology Off the Grid is supported in part by Buy.com, a new product listing website for the eye care community. Buy.com contains over 800 product listing pages with in-depth specs, high-res images, video demonstrations, unbiased user reviews, the option to purchase products, and more. Find us on the web at buy, that's B-E-Y-E dot
1: Open, outspoken. It's Ophthalmology Off the Grid, an honest look at controversial topics in the field. I'm Gary Words. In this episode of Ophthalmology Off the Grid, I sit down with two thought leaders in our field to discuss dropless cataract surgery. During interviews with doctors Bill Wiley and Mark Kontos, we'll discuss Impermises Less Drops formula, the Trimox injectable, and whether the convenience of this approach is worth the risk. Listen in; it's going to be a great episode. This is Dr. Gary Wirtz with Ophthalmology Off The Grid, and today we have Dr. Bill Wiley, and we're gonna be talking about imprimis and the dropless and less drops formulations that they are putting forward. So, Bill, I just wanna say thank you for taking a little time out of your day and having this conversation. Just by way of background, Bill and I have known each other for quite a while, and. Bill is someone I really look up to. And when I have a clinical question or have a question about a new technology, he's someone I really trust. I, I really like his opinion. And I, I thought this would be a really nice interview uh, to talk about the real uh, nitty gritty when it comes to dropless and compounded formulations for post-op inflammatory and um, uh, antibiotic control. So Bill, with that being said, I'd just like to hear a little bit of your early impressions with Imprimis and um, what the dropless and less drops formulations have done for you and your practice?
2: Sure. Well, thanks, Gary. Thanks for having me. In general, I think the imprimis dropless formulation has been a great thing for our practice. About six months ago, you know, as as we all have seen, you know, the current commercially available drops have 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 become a, sort of an issue with our patients. Number one, we've seen you know drastic and in, uh, increases in price. You know, you know, drops seem to double in price almost every few years, and Not only is it, you know, expensive, but also the inconvenience of taking multiple drops throughout a cataract, let's say, regimen postoperatively can be challenging for certain patients. Mm -hmm. And we we started to see that there was a breaking point where where that became sort of a barrier to entry for cataract surgery that some patients were saying, you know, I can't afford the drops or I don't like taking drops. I'll just hold off on my cataract surgery. And so I think, you know, our practice, but also a lot of practices in general around the country sort of wanted another alternative for their post-operative regimen for for cataract surgery. And, uh, you know, Imprimis came in at a perfect time with their solution. They've got this dropless technique where basically we're we're injecting or placing inside the eye at the time of cataract surgery the two most common medications, you know, a steroid and an antibiotic to basically cover both basically for antibiotic prophylaxis but also steroid or anti-inflammatory prophylaxis. And that's the uh, Trimoxy, Trimcinol and mo- uh, Moxifloxacin injectable medication for the dropless technique. So our practice started that back in September, and uh, we've had a great success. We basically went all in, and every patient in our practice gets that at the, at the time of cataract surgery. And in our technique is we go uh, pars plana injection right at the end of the case, where he plays 0.2 mLs of a Trimoxy solution. And uh, right now, we're still adding a drop, once a day for about one week after a cataract surgery, mostly for those patients that want to have some kind of comfort level that that they have something that they're doing to help it, uh, in their uh, healing process. Mm-hmm. But we're using um, Maxitrol, which is a relatively affordable and easy drop for patients to get. So that, that's over the counters, around 10 or $20. So it's easy for the patients to get. They're getting, you know, the... Uh, uh, try at the time of surgery that, that lasts for about a month and, and, and with, with the drops that they're taking, they, they use that for about a week and then stop. And so far it's been a, a huge success for our practice in a number of ways. We've seen that uh, our, our callbacks to our surgery schedulers have decreased dramatically. With, with commercially available drops, there's a lot of confusion. Which drops, how often, when to take them, uh, the expense, and is it covered or not covered. And uh, it it was right now basically of a very simple and easy protocol for patients to take after cataract surgery. And it's really just helped streamline us.
1: Well, I think you've touched on some really significant points. And I agree with you. You know, Impromiss really came in at a time when we kind of have all had enough with some of the prescription games that are played um, and the expense. And I'll tell you, from my perspective, Um, we spend an inordinate amount of time trying to educate our patients about the number of drops that they're going to be taking and the regimen. And also, um, not only that, we have a pretty wide referral network. um, And we have to not only make sure that the patient understands their drop regimen and that their family or caregiver understands the drop (coughs) regimen, and that they actually get the drops (laughs) that we've tried to prescribe for them, which so frequently gets changed. We also have to make sure that our referral network um, is on board and that if there's co-management being uh, uh, going on, that they're checking and making sure that compliance um, is to our standard. And so I totally agree that there needs to be um, a different solution for our cataract patients and a simple and cost-effective solution like Imprimis just makes all the sense in the world uh, uh, for, for ophthalmologists. And I think that we're seeing um, a tremendous amount of buzz just when we're talking to friends and, and other colleagues about this product just quickly some of the some of the concerns or at least theoretical concerns that i've heard um, from other folks and maybe things I've even kind of had questions myself. You've mentioned that you're giving this to every patient. And what about those patients with glaucoma or someone who may be a known steroid responder? Have you had anybody that you would disqualify? It sounds like you're really having success with all patients, but what would you say to another doc who said, well, you know, what about, you know, I've got a high gl- uh, percentage of glaucoma patients. Uh, am I going to be okay using it? What What would you say to that?
2: Yeah, uh, great question. So I, I probably should qualify when I say I'm giving it to every patient. There there are some patients we decided may not be a candidate for dropless, or at least right now in our practice in our hands and the, and the one patient uh, set is the the known glaucoma patients we've backed off on, on using it or use it to a lesser degree mm-hmm. um, I do have friends that that are glaucoma specialists and use it freely and and are very comfortable with using the dropless. and so I'm waiting to hear their their experience and, and feedback but right now you know, the glaucoma patients are, it's, it's an inter- interesting group. They're used to taking, you know, uh, drops already. They're already on drops. It's, it seems not to be as much of, as an inconvenience to take a drop a day or a couple drops a day. So to, have, to add a uh, post-op regimen to them is, is not a big deal. So for those patients, it's a little easier to continue with our traditional technique of using drops afterwards. With that said, our glaucoma patients, we often do a procedure called endocyclophotocoagulation mm-hmm. or eye stent, and some of those procedures can be a little bit more inflammatory. And so by adding, you know, intravitreal, um, Triamcinolone can actually help with their healing response. So I, I think it, it, it can be used and it can be safe, but you just have to, you do have to be aware of the potential side effect of a steroid response and be aware of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. One other concern, or at least something that may be a little different from giving drops, is just I've heard that patients get a, you know increase in floaters, and maybe that wow factor on day one uh, may not be what we're all used to, Um, And also, maybe if you have a co-management network, getting the optometrist educated, not only the patients, but um, getting the optometrist educated on what to expect with this. And just uh, if you wouldn't mind commenting about um, if you've noticed that, if there are techniques in placing the drop maybe more inferiorly, um, what do you think about um, the floaters or maybe the lack of uh, post-op visual acuity in the early stages post-op?
2: Yeah, that, that, that's a great question, and, and I think it's a, a, a legitimate concern. Initially, the first few cases we did, I, I placed the injection superior, superior temporal. It's just simply that's where we had I, I, I had done it back in residency when we did intravitreal kenalog injections, and that's where I, I first placed it for this postoperative drop regimen. And we did see that that would place a large, you know, bolus of uh, steroid that could interfere with the visual acuity, and so. Quickly, we transition to an inferior injection where we're injecting it right around six o'clock. So it stays inferior. We, there's some techniques where we sit the patient up quickly to keep the medicine inferior in their eye. Um, I've also decreased the amount. Uh, initially, I was putting 0.2 or 0.25 ml, and now I'm a little closer, you know, a little less than 0.2, often 0.15 intravitreal, and I'm placing a little bit subtenons that uh, can also have a dropless effect and extend the effect of the anti-inflammatory and antibiotic by placing it in two different places, one intravitreal and one subtenons. And so there are some tricks to get around that uh, the potential of those floaters uh, based on where you place it, how much are you placing. And also, I think it, it also boils down to preoperative education. If you can set the expectations where it's normal to have floaters for the first 24 hours, and if patients understand that no, they know what they're getting into, it tends not to be a, a major issue or problem. So um, uh, in general we, we, we use this on our premium patients, our patients that are paying cash pay and pay, paying on upgrades and they're happy and uh, it's part of the, the process and it doesn't seem to affect Um, any of our patients once it's explained and and done correctly.
1: Yeah, and also, you know, just, I would be curious, and I think I know the answer, but I'd love to hear it from you. How has your staff um, responded to this change where they're not necessarily having to track down prescriptions and go through a huge education process? Do you feel like they're spending less of their time on the clock uh, explaining these uh, instructions to patients?
2: Definitely, definitely. I I mean, the staff, I think if we stopped the dropless technique and injections at this point, I think we'd have a revolt. It's really, (laughs) it's been uh, a huge input or uh, uh, increase in in basically our staff um, satisfaction. it's been truly amazing. I think it's also, there is an added expense right now. We're we're absorbing that expense and paying for the medication. Mm -hmm. However, I think we're getting that back and basically less staff time and increased patient satisfaction. So it's been sort of a break even on the bottom line. But uh, when you first look at it, you see this added expense. But when you really you know, uh, see how it affects your pr- practice in a positive way, I, be- I do believe it pays for itself.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it's really adding value, and that, is, that can be defined in a lot of different ways. So that's really exciting. You know, one other thing I recently read and we have talked a little bit about um, is that you're also doing the less drops for your refractive LASIK patients, um, and I'd love to hear a little bit more about that.
2: Sure, yeah. You know, After our initial experience with um, the, the cataract patients with drop less, we said, you know what, this, this molecule or this combination of triamcinolone and moxifloxacin is very similar to what we use for LASIK, and we asked Impermits if we could transition that into a, a topical formation, uh, formulation for our LASIK patients, and so we adopted that, and we've had, uh, again, a very similar positive response in our, in our LASIK practice. Basically, what we're using is um, we, we've used two different formulations, and we're still trying to determine if there's some advantage with one compared to the other, but we have a predmoxie and Moxy, um less drop formulation, and basically those are the same two medications that we use for LASIK in general, but typically it's done in two different commercial drops. Now we have one combination drop, and what it's allowed us to do is decrease those uh, LASIK drops by functionally 50%, Instead of taking two drops every time, they're only taking one drop. Also, it's made it much simpler. We, we order the drops for the day of surgery. The patients come in have their surgery, we send them home with a kit that has their drops in their kit so they don't have to worry about going to the pharmacy and that expense or an added inconvenience for, for, for them. And um, also the same sort of things that happen with our cataract patients. We had a lot of pharmacy callbacks, requests for substitution for generic or switching or non-coverage or expense and drops that left our staff, you know, answering multiple questions, making the, you know, the patients sometimes very frustrated, they're spending you know, a few thousand dollars for, for a premium procedure and then are, are stuck with another add-on bill with an expensive uh, pharmaceutical medication. And they felt like, yes, you know, so we had some patients just cancel o- over that. And so by now providing that drop for them, it, it's, it's increased the value of the procedure and made it more simple.
1: And Bill, how are you dosing that typically? And also one other question, are you doing LASIK and PRK or simply LASIK patients?
2: You know, we, we've done both uh, LASIK and PRK uh, with, with this medication, um, right now we're dosing it four times a day for about a week, and then after one week, sometimes we just stop. Or if they have some inflammation or some flaccidema, we'll continue that uh, twice a day for an, an additional week.
1: Excellent. Well, Bill, you know it's been just a pleasure to talk to you about this. I really love hearing your perspectives on it. You always give me, you know, really good advice, and I know it, it comes from clinical experience, which is uh, there's no substitute for that. And, um, you know, I think we're all just really excited uh, for Impermis. We're all, you know, excited for the solutions they're providing. They're meeting an unmet need and um, our patients and our staff. And I think a lot of doctors are really just happy that we now have this new advantage, um, this new solution for uh, what's kind of plagued us for a while. So, Bill, I just want to say thank you. Thanks, Gary. It's awesome. been great. Thanks. Bill provides many great arguments for adopting a dropless regimen, but I want to take a look at this from the opposite side of the spectrum. What are the arguments for not using this technology? I sat down with Dr. Mark Kontos to hear his differing opinions on the topic. today I have with me uh, Dr. Mark Conto. so Mark I just want to say thank you for taking a little bit of time and talking to me about uh, your practice and some uh, interesting topics that we've already discussed and we will go get into a little bit further here so I just want to say thank you for coming in and, and and my pleasure Gary on. it's really
0: a, it's a, it's a lot of fun to be here with you. I really think this is a great idea and uh, looking forward to all the things you're going to be doing with it.
1: Well, you know, the, the idea of this is really just to have honest conversations, just uh-huh. like we would on the phone or you know, consulting in a meeting, but having it recorded for other ophthalmologists who may be driving in the car or just interested to hear what two, uh, two fellow surgeons would think about you know an interesting topic. And yeah. something that we were just talking about last night would be just the whole concept of dropless cataract surgery. This mm-hmm. has been a really hot topic yeah. uh, for good reason. I mean, there, I think that eye drops, probably are one of the uh, most painful um, from an administrative to uh, prescribing to educating it's just a, it's a very annoying process trying to get patients educated on their eye drop schedule whether that's you know after lasik or after cataract surgery it's a very confusing topic yeah. and so obviously it's very appealing to have an uh, an opportunity and an option to give them all the medicine they need at the end of their cataract surgery for example and and at, th- and at that point not have to really worry about, you know, the education side of things and compliance, you're really taking that, um, you're taking that responsibility off the patient's shoulders. But as you've looked at this, and you've, I'm sure, looked at lots of different new techniques over over your career, give me your first impressions, and maybe as you've thought about maybe implementing this, what you decided and
0: why you decided that. Yeah, well, you know, it it is an interesting thing. And, And I would say that probably in our practice, if we look at the phone calls that we field, after hours. I would say the bulk of them are related to post-operative or pre-operative drop regimen questions, you know, about the pharmacy, this, or I didn't get that, or what am I supposed to do with this? I don't remember, or I can't, you know, whatever it happens to be. So so the idea of being able to eliminate all of that and and not have to deal with all of the things that all those mean, I mean, that's, you know, who wouldn't be attracted to that idea as a surgeon? I mean, of course you would be. And and I certainly was, you know, a a dropless cataract, one, that's a great thing. I yes. love that. Yes. But then as you start actually looking at it, and then when you start peeling back the layers of this, and then you kind of go beyond just that phrase, uh, you know, then it becomes a little bit more of a, you know not such a clear picture really right. and you know for a few different reasons and so when we started looking at that um, you know we, we've I've taken kind of a very conservative approach in that regard um, number one you know there's reasons to give patients eye drops before surgery you know and, right. and really you can argue standard of care issues and stuff but there are certain patients you know maybe a diabetic patient who got macular CME on their first eye you know you might want to give them a little pretreatment you know so right. there's things so there's patients that may Maybe need drops before surgery, and then after surgery, you know, there's there's some issues. You know, there's things that can come up with with using this regimen, the dropless surgery regimen that's out there right now. And you know, one of them for me was is that you know, the people that I thought would that would be most you know interested in something like this are my premium cataract surgery patients, patients who are picking a premium IOL. Well you know, the way it actually works for these patients, droplets, of course, you have that big bolus of steroid in the vitreous that you've got to deal with. And all of a sudden, the next day, there's this big cloudy, you know, vision issue that patients are describing. And you know, I love the idea of having patients come in the next day and just be wowed by how they're doing. You know, I haven't been able to read like this for whatever, you know, right. and a lot of that goes away when you when you're talking with people who are doing this, you know, you have to educate them. So it's another thing you got to educate them on. And so that's a negative, I think. And and so there's so there's issues like that. A pressure spike that you right. know, sometimes there can be pain involved with, you know, doing this and some other stuff. And so so to me there's some of those issues. I think there's some things the concept is great, but it's like a lot of concepts. It's maybe not quite where it needs to be, to be the concept that we really think of it to be. Sure,
1: you know, and and we kind of went through that same process of trying to figure out, is this something that we want to adapt? And in my practice, it's a a very referral heavy practice where we're uh, relying on, you know, other docs uh, to do some of the post-op care Mm -hmm. and uh, they're, we work with great doctors and we're really uh, proud of our network but the reality is you don't want to push off any headaches or problems on the docs who are you know providing post-operative care and so if you have let's say that this works 95% of the time um, and I think you know talking to some colleagues you're you're probably looking at maybe 10 to 20% of people might need some sort of uh, breakthrough coverage with steroid I think that's that's pretty you know Accepted that dropless is is going to be able to cover the vast majority of your patients for cataract surgery, but there's always going to be those few patients who may need an additional steroid drop, etc. But the reality is. At that point, you've you know you've done something for the patient and they still need to take drops, or if they have an adverse event, even if it's totally unrelated to you know the intravitreal or transonular uh, delivery of the of the medicine, you've sort of taken the risk from the patient's compliance side of the equation, whether they're gonna fail their prescription and take the eye drops, and you've taken that risk and putting it on your side of the equation and you're giving them a medicine, obviously trying to help them. But there's sort of this adage that says, no good deed goes unpunished. And so, you know, if you have an adverse outcome, even if you could argue that it wasn't related to that, it could be looked at that, you know, you were doing something and because of that, if they got a retinal detachment or, you know, a, a pressure spike that you did something that caused them harm. And that's just sort of, it's, for me that's one thing i didn't necessarily want to
0: take on yeah. when i'm trying to do something nice and helpful for a patient i yeah. wasn't really comfortable with that so the question really is, is is it worth it you know is it is is the is the convenience worth it and and the and the answer for me right now is is well there probably can come a time when it is but i don't know if this is the version that is well and we came to a similar conclusion but as we were going through that discussion
1: Imprimus came out with this really great solution, which is called Less Drops. And for us, we just felt like that was the real solution we were looking for. And Less Drops basically is a compounded uh, prednisolone, moxifloxacin, and you can also get that uh, with Ketorolac added as well. But it's one drop. It's all in one bottle and they can basically make the volume that you want and it's provided at a low cost and so what we're doing is we're we have basically eliminate all the variability you know if you prescribe someone pred forte there's about a 1% chance they're gonna get the actual pred forte right. yeah. you know and they could be sub, you know, substituted FML or lotemax, or they could get a generic pred which is pretty common but you just don't end up knowing what they're on right and so by having all of that control brought in-house we have really eliminated all those phone calls. And we get a volume that's more than sufficient to you know, treat them for their entire course. And we say this is one bottle, and we have our patients take it four times a day um, for the first two weeks, two times a day the third week, and one time a day for the fourth week. And we obviously titrate that per yeah. patient. If, there's, if they're going to be a little more inflamed, then we're going to up that. But that's been a really nice starting uh, regimen our optometrists have loved it because it's it's such a simple regimen they they are immediately recognizing it's easier the patients understand it and we are charging the patient for this mm-hmm. and it's not covered by their insurance but it's provided at such a low cost that it's it's typically more affordable yeah, than, than even their they, co their yeah, pays would right. be so we've really not gotten much at all you know actually really no pushback from patients mm-hmm. and this has been one of those changes where you know anytime you're in a practice that's a well oiled machine changing one thing even if it seems really really simple you don't know how that's going to affect you know the yeah. other dominoes fall. But I will say that in our practice, implementing this has been just a dream and it's really been a win-win-win on every front. So, even though our practice didn't come down on the dropless side of the equation, we have found so much success and we're so happy that we found the less drops and it just really seems like the low hanging fruit where we're still you know giving the patients the responsibility of taking the drops but we're making it really easy for them to comply
0: yeah well i think that you know I and mean, then that's a good example of where you can kind of look at a thing and say okay well this is what we're this is what we're trying to get to this isn't the solution, but maybe this is an interim step that can get us, you know, get me through or make it better than what it has been in the past, and this is a kind of a better solution. You're right. And the cost issue, you know, I think is a good point because a lot of patients are so. Include into, you know, the expense of their medications and that sort of thing. And so if you can explain to them, hey, look, you know, that you're actually going to save money by doing this and it's going to be a lot easier, um, you know, that's that's difficult to, you know, to not have that be a positive experience.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, my patients, um, this is something I didn't really anticipate, but they actually feel like we are giving them something that's special because we actually have had this, you know, formulated for them for cataract surgery. And so the patients really feel confident that they're on exactly what their doctor wants them to be on. Yeah, and that's actually been. I think it's actually helped compliance to know. All right, I got this medicine from my doctor at their office, and this is how I'm supposed to take it. And there's, they really feel comfortable that they're getting what they're supposed to be getting. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think it's a great idea. I mean, I think it's something that uh, you know we should probably take a look at. That might be something we might want to get going on. Sure, and you know, Imprimis has been
1: really easy to work with, and I can tell you, you know, they're um, they're a great company that uh, has provided us a really really nice solution, and we're very very happy to work with them.
0: So yeah, yeah, it's good
1: thanks for listening to this episode of ophthalmology off the grid like what you hear stay tuned for more episodes available on itube.net until next time
0: Ophthalmology Off the Grid is supported in part by Buy.com, a new product listing website for the eye care community. Buy.com contains over 800 product listing pages with in-depth specs, high-res images, video demonstrations, unbiased user reviews, the option to purchase products, and more. Find us on the web at buy, that's B-E-Y-E
2: dot